We hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. He is risen. Well, we'll work on that. He is risen indeed. It's one of those things that you could go anywhere around the world and you can say, he's risen. And in whatever language you're in, in whatever country you're in, you're going to get that same response. Isn't that great? You can go to Michigan and say on on Easter Sunday, or sometimes I don't even wait for Easter. I'll just say, he's risen. And they'll kind of be like in the middle of Starbucks going, wait, wait a second. I heard... That's like code. It's like Morse code. He's like, he's risen. And you just stand in the middle of Starbucks. He's risen indeed. He's like, give me in the middle of Amsterdam. He's risen. And some Dutch person will be like, what? That's just you. They're like, he's risen indeed. You can be in Thailand. You can be in the, in the middle of Manila and just say, he's risen. I don't know Tagalog. I'm sorry. But you could say, he's risen indeed. Amen. It's like a tattoo. It's like a, a thing that you get to say. You're part of that inside club, and you get to, you get to say that. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Philip was born with Down syndrome. He was a pleasant child. Happy, it seemed, but in, increasingly aware of the difference between himself and other children. Philip went to school so Sunday school, every single week for uh, when he went to church, he was in the third grade class with nine other eight-year-olds. You know eight-year-olds. Well, I remember when my kids were eight-year-olds. Philip, with his many differences, was not readily accepted. But his teacher was sensitive to Philip, and he helped this group of eight-year-olds to love each other as best as they could under the circumstances. They learned, they laughed, they played together, and they really cared about one another. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't forget, this was an exception to all this. Philip, that's what his name, was not ready a part of this group. Philip did not choose, nor did he want to be different. He just was, because he had Down syndrome. And that was just the way things were. I know. His teacher had a marvelous idea for Easter. You know those things, you know those like those eggs that you get, the empty eggs, the plastic eggs, and like we saw in the video, they, you can fill them with jelly beans. These containers were used one time, so the teacher collected 10 of them. The, the children loved this exercise. And they brought them into the room, and she gave one of these eggs to each child. It was a beautiful spring day, and the assignment was for, for each child to go outside and find a symbol of new life and put it in the egg and bring it back to the classroom. They, could, they would kind of open and share with their friends what these new symbols of life would look like. So it was glorious and it was confusing. And these children are running around outside trying to find ripping grass and stones and flowers, shoving them into eggs. And they ran around the church. They put all the eggs on the table. And then the teacher began to open them. All the children gathered around the table, and he opened one, and and inside was a a flower. That's right. And they, ooh, ah, yeah, that's life. Another one was this, they found a butterfly, which was pretty amazing. Like, (laughs) beautiful, the girls all said. And it was hard for the eight-year-old boys to say beautiful, but, you know, they're, they're boys. He opened another one, and there was a rock inside. 
And the third graders, well, they laughed and said, that's crazy. How can a rock supposed to be like new life? But the smart little boy who had put in, in the, the rock said, he goes, well, that's mine. And all I knew of you was you would get flowers and buds and leaves and butterflies. So I got a rock because I wanted it to be different. So they all laughed. The teacher said something about the wisdom of eight-year-olds or something and opened the next one. But there was nothing inside. The children, I know, the children as eight-year-olds will say, well, that's not fair. That's stupid. Somebody, did, somebody didn't do it right. Then the teacher felt a tug on the shirt and looked down. It's mine, Philip said. It's mine. While the children said, you don't ever get anything right, Philip. There's nothing there. I did do so. I did do it right, Philip said. The tomb is empty. There was silence, a very full silence. Like that was kind of like the mic drop for an eight-year-old. He set us free from the tomb of differentness. Philip died last summer. His family had known since the time he was born that he wouldn't live a full life. Many of the things were wrong with the little boy. Last, he just had a simple infection, got, got the flu, got pneumonia, and he passed away. At his memorial service, nine eight-year-old children marched up to the front where the body was in the casket, not with flowers to cover the stark reality of death, but came with nine eggs cracked open with nothing inside. The tomb is empty. You guys have your Bibles. I want to just share out of the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Are you good up here? All right. Yeah, baby. Yeah, you want to go down there? You go see Mama. Everyone put your hand to my helper. <laughs> Thank you. She's like, I want to do some more preaching. It's funny because when we were starting off in prayer this morning, we started, actually, someone actually prayed this very text. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, this is Paul talking, to the law a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the, thing, the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In the Greek, if you know Greek well, it's not just rubbish. It's not good stuff. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which has come through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Number 10, and this is where I hang my hat, that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So folks, sometimes when you hear people talk, they're like, you know what, I'm going to work and have this story that starts and has a beginning and a middle and the end. I actually, if you would permit me, I want to go straight to the end. Let's start with the end in mind. Simple, God's power in his resurrection, amen? That Paul wants to know that Christ. I love that video where he's like, he's trying to figure out which Jesus. Oh, that guy. I wonder whatever happened to that Jesus. And, and the Jesus of the cross is the same Jesus of the Easter. It's the same Jesus. But this power, folks, it is the Greek word dunamis. Where do you think, what word do we get from dunamis? Dynamite. It is explosive. It has, and the thing about dynamite, it has stored energy. It is unstable. You remember the old kind of westerns where they had a, a whole box of dynamite and they had to be careful, like, don't jostle it around there, Jethro, because any moment that thing's just going to blow. It has stored energy and it's unstable and it needs a spark to ignite. And once ignited, the fuse is short and in a moment an unexpected, suspenseful explosion of destruction occurs. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was this stored power for three days, building and welling up. And boy, as soon as he, the gravestone was moved forward, out of the way, the fuse was lit and ignited by the power of God. Death could not stop that ignition. Satan couldn't stop the fuse being lit. We couldn't do it. But God, our Heavenly Father, lights the fuse so that we can have life again. Can you hear it? Can you hear that? Boom! That is the resurrection power. The destruction is vast, devastating. It's actually world-shaking. What, what has this been destroyed? Have we been destroyed? No, but the power of sin and death has been destroyed. Our spiritual death, our constant need for sacrifices for sin is no longer the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom, letting us have full access to Jesus Christ, to God the Father. Devastation of his resurrection power affects religion. Folks, I remember this one time, this guy, he came up to me and we were serving coffee to street people. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really a religious person. And I said to the guy, straight eyes to eyes, I said, neither am I. I'm not religion. He's like, well, uh, well, I'm not really into this, you know, pious life and reli religion and, and being a priest and stuff. I'm like, neither am I. And he kind of looked at me like, what are you then? He goes, but you're a Christian. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? More than anything before, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what I, I, I think if you say you're a Christian nowadays, that's a loaded statement. What kind of Christian? Are you a Baptist Christian, a Presbyterian Christian? Are you a Pentecostal? How about if you're just today a follower of Christ that says, he has risen? He has risen. That's it. The devastation of his resurrection power affects religious orders. And most importantly, it destroys legalism. It destroys religious angst and laws that just need to be done away with. And an ushering of new grace comes. Amen? Grace. 
What is, say, John, like you're using all these languages that I don't understand. What is grace? Grace is undeserved merit and favor. Undeserved and merit and favor. You don't, you can't do anything to do this. This is all a God thing. He reconciles us to God through his son, Jesus. And on Easter, boom, creates that bridge so we can have access again. Amen. Amen. That's grace. But we live in this kind of weird, weird world where we got to keep doing things and be good people. That's baloney. That's actually what Paul says. It's rubbish. It's excrement. It doesn't add up to a hill of not beans. It's by grace that you are saved through faith. What is resurrection? Well, Lazarus would say death to life. Literally death to life. Lazarus was in a space where he was, you know, not just dead, but really dead. Like starting to stink dead. And Jesus calls out Lazarus to his name. He says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out even with the grave clothes. And he is risen. He is resurrection from death to life. See, that's, that's our spiritual state. My spiritual state is an alienation from God. My depravity of my own sin separates me from God. But the remedy, the remedy is I have now redemption and forgiveness of my sins. That's the power of the resurrection. The power of resurrection is that I have a new life in Christ. When we do a baptism, that's what we symbolize. The old man out, in, and the new man out. The old sin down in the the depths of the water, and you come out, and you are a new creation in Christ. I have eternal life in heaven. You know that you're, you are now, if I'm, I'm having to do my uh, EOI expression of interest because I want to be a resident of New Zealand. And I'm going to be a dual citizen of Canada and New Zealand. I'll have two passports. But just so you know, you have already a passport and it says you're a citizen of heaven. Do you know that when you, if you have Jesus in you, the power of the resurrection, that explosive dynamite power at full kind of capacity, at atomic level, when you walk into a dark situation, you immediately change the entire environment. Do you know that? Nod your head if you believe that. You do. That dynamite power. You don't get a junior Holy Spirit and pastors get senior Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit. So when you walk into a room and someone is, is crying and they're mourning a loss or they're going through hard times, you walk in and it's not you walk in, it's the Holy Spirit. The dynamite power of the Holy Spirit walks into that room and all of a sudden people are like, whoa, something, the atmosphere just changed. Do you feel it? What was it? Is it because of Crystal? No. Because of John? No. Is it because of Jeremy? No. It's the, the Lord. It was the, the power of the restaurant. It was Jesus Christ. He was coming into that room, and all of a sudden, the entire environment changes. That's what I believe. Do you believe that? I've walked in as a chaplain in an ICU. I got called in. I was on call, and this woman was dying. She was what we call rallying. She was trying to stay alive so she could see her son. Her daughter at the time had told her, Mom, he's not going to come. But I, I've asked the chaplain to come in. And I came in and I touched her leg and she started, she jolted. I said, whoa, I'm sorry. And the, and the Lord just spoke. He's like, no, because you entered the room. She immediately knew. 
There's the power of God is coming into the room. Even Jesus, when he was walking, and this woman that had been bleeding for many, many years said, if all I just do is just touch the garment, he, he touched the garment of Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus stopped everyone and said, whoa, hey, hey, power shot out from me. He's like, what? Jesus, disciples, you know, they're being logical. There's a lot of people here, Jesus, just calm down. No, Jesus is like, no, 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 power shot out from me. That same power. And all of a sudden, that woman became healed in the name of Jesus. I believe when you tap into the power of the resurrection, there's healing. There's signs and wonders, right? And it, it won't be sometimes where we're laying hands or whatever. It'll just be in the moment where you're just saying, God, I want this power of the resurrection. And boom, you're healed in the name of Jesus. And then all you do is do testimony. It's like, oh my gosh, you're never going to guess what happened. Sometimes I think power and healing and signs and wonders, they, I think they feel, they, they kind of resonate too much on our participation. What if it's more about what, Je what Jesus is doing? What if it's the Holy Spirit really moving and acting? The second thing is mind-body. See, when we are in that depraved state and our, our sinful state, our hurts, my hang-ups, and my habits... That's what we came in with, and that's, that is that old rugged cross. That is, that is the depraved person. That is the sin that we have. But the remedy of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, is that the living and resurrected, sanctified, and consecration of your mind and your body. When you become a, a follower of Jesus, immediately what counselors could do for 30 years can happen in 10 minutes. Do you believe that? I've, I've, I've seen people restored mentally and physically in minutes that took specialist decades. And like we said in the story, the woman just reaches out, touches the, heart, the hem of Jesus' garment, and instantly power shot out from him, and he, she was healed. Lazarus come forth. The power of his resurrection can heal our bodies and our mind. And lastly, my relationships. Sometimes our relationships are one way or they're based on works. I've hurt people because I'm hurt. Maybe you've heard that. Hurt people, hurt people. Maybe I've got over the years offended and I've got wounded because of relationships. Relationships with each other. Relationships in your marriage. Relationships with your pastor. Relationships with your church. Your work. Maybe it's the, the rugby team or the fishing crew that you're a part of. You got offended. You got hurt. Do you think now, do you believe that the power of the resurrection can restore that? His power restores and reconciles us to each other. His power of resurrection is that living and vibrant relationship with Jesus. My plans and my thoughts, my agendas, no way. God has a plan. God has a thought for you. He doesn't want you to be self-centered, self-absorbed. He doesn't want you to be vain or pride or prideful or arrogant. He wants to be your all in all. Amen? So his power, his presence are paramount. That's why Paul was considering, that's why at the beginning of the text, he's saying, I used to be a Hebrew of Hebrews. I used to be a Pharisee. I used to do all these things. And he goes, all this, scratch it. The only one word on my CV, Jesus. Is that you today? Is that you today? Are you still walking around that you think that you're all that in a bag of chips? No, you're not. It should just say Jesus. And that is always enough. Amen? So God has said there is going to be a dynamic explosion 
of a living plan in your life from now on. Three things I want to leave with you today. God wants to explode his Easter resurrection power in you. So who needs that this morning? Put your hand up. Why don't we stand and let's just do some prayer right now. Number two is God wants to then take this power and you into all the world. Who shall go? One person, two. Who shall go? And if all this is new to you and you're, and that's fine, and you, didn't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've been religious all your life. You've done all the right things. But maybe for a second, with your eyes closed, let's just think upon this right now. Who here wants to invite Jesus into their lives for the first time? Raise your hand. I see that hand. I'm going to invite the band just to sing that one chorus again. Just be in that space. God wants to explode his resurrection power in you. Who shall go? And for those that are deciding to be a follower of Jesus this Easter, and we celebrate. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.